Take your Bibles, turn with me to, Pro- yeah, both of you get your Bibles up. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 25. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 25. We're going to have a great time tonight. Proverbs chapter 25. All right, here's what we're going to do. Tonight, we're going to talk about treasure hunting. We're going to talk about treasure hunting. I want to teach you uh, an aspect of the Father that many people are not familiar with from Scripture. I want you to let me build this case from Scripture. And I prayed he's going to open the eyes of our heart. And we're going to see this. One of the, one of the great uh, principal truths that runs through all Scripture is found in Proverbs 25, verse 2. And it says this. This is Proverbs 25, verse 2. The glory of God is to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Tell me what the glory of God is. To conceal, could we use the word hide? God in his glory hides things. When I, you, you, but it says a king will do what? Tell me what a king does. He searches. And you say, well, I'm not a king. Yes, you are. The Bible said in Hebrews that we have been made kings and priests unto our God by the sacrifice of Jesus. It is the glory of God to hide things. All right, let me teach you something about our heavenly father. That is, it's, one of, it's his nature to hide things. Our father loves to hide things. Have you ever heard this? That God has certain ways he does things. You have heard of his ways. Right, let, let me teach you something here. This is why men and God have a hard time walking together sometimes because he said in Isaiah 55, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways or we'd call it what? Different. So if I'm going to walk with this great king, I've got to learn his ways because let me help you. He's not going to do it my way. So I got to learn one of his ways. One of his ways is to hide things and to seclude things. Now, we need to cry out like the psalmist did in Psalm 25, 4, where he said this, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. And here we find in Proverbs 25, 2, one of God's thing, can I say things? One of his things, one of his ways, he hides things. And uh, he, he loves to hide things. But one of our things has to become what? We got to start searching for them and search them out. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus reiterated this truth about things being hidden, things being hidden. Matthew 11, I, I love this passage right here where Jesus talks about how that the father hides things. Matthew 11, I believe it's verse um, 25, it is. I want you to read with me, Matthew eleven twenty-five, where Jesus said this. At that time, Jesus answered and said, now Jesus is praying, I want you to listen to his prayer, to his father. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to the humble. What Jesus said in that prayer right there? God can do what? Hide things. Listen, he hides himself. He hides himself and he hides things. And the Bible here also says that he reveals things. Now, this is one of the ways we have to learn about him, that he hides and he reveals. But now I'm going to put this, in, I'll, I'm going to put this right down here so, so easy to understand tonight. We got in Proverbs 25 that it is the glory of God to hide things and that's his nature as you'll see through scripture. But our glory is to search those things out. What do you hear in that, what do you hear in that passage right there? Can I, can I use that? I pray this don't offend you. If it does, I pray you get over it quick. But this, you know what this sounds like? This sounds like a father who's taking his kids on an Easter egg hunt. Excuse me, excuse me, an egg hunt, a spring egg hunt, a spring egg hunt. That's what I meant to say, a spring egg hunt. All right. We did this when our kids were little knee high. We'd, I'd go out in the yard and I'd hide eggs. I'd put them in the grass behind a bush, behind a tree, stick them you know, behind the car tire. I'd, I'd hide the eggs out there. And then the kids were little, they'd all come out and they'd search for the eggs. Now, here's, here's an important question. Did I hide those eggs from them or did I hide them for them? God doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. I, I, let's go a little further here. Do you think I wanted them to find them? Oh, I really did. I wanted them to see that was part of the deal. That's part of the thing. I would go out and hide the eggs, but it's not because I didn't want them to find them. I wanted them to find them. And then they'd come out and I want guess what I wanted them to do. Guess what I wanted them to do. I wanted them to come out and all over the building, anybody. I wanted them to come out and search for the eggs and find them. That was how we did it then. That was called a spring egg hunt. What did the Bible say in Proverbs 25 too? It is the glory of God to conceal a matter it is the glory of kings to go looking for what he's hidden. God doesn't hide things from us. He hides them for us. And then what do we do? We go looking for them so we can find them. And matter of fact, to be honest with you, I helped them find them. 
they, they'd be out there searching. They, they, and I'd say, you get, you're getting caught. Come on, look right here behind this tree. Look, look right over here. I'd help them find what I'd hidden for them. It's exactly what he's talking about here. The glory of God is to hide a matter. It's our glory to go searching for them. And Jesus said, I'm thankful that you've hidden things. But I'm also thankful that you show us where things are, that you reveal things. All right, let me tell you what the scripture teaches here. It's, it's uh, sort of like this egg hunt thing. I want you to turn the page to Matthew chapter 13 with me. Have you ever heard of the kingdom of God? Anybody ever, all over the building, anybody ever heard of the kingdom of God? All right, the kingdom of God should be what place in our lives? What place should the kingdom of God be in our lives? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Right, let me define the kingdom of God. It is not church work. It's not church activity. The kingdom of God is simply what God is doing in the earth by his spirit. That's the kingdom of God. It's what God is doing in the earth. All right? And I'm told to do what? Seek it. Go looking for it. Go look for great things that God's doing in the earth. I'm supposed to spend my life. I want to show you one of the, my, this may be my all time favorite parable that Jesus gave. Jesus gives a parable about the kingdom of God in Matthew 13 and, uh, to me, this is the most beautiful description of what it's like to live seeking God, living in the kingdom, whatever you want to call it. But it's Matthew 13, verse 44. And the Bible says this in Matthew 13, 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven, what God's doing in the earth is like what? Treasure. A lot of people think it's like a duty. Well, I've got to do this. I've got to do it because it's the right thing to do. There's a big difference in a duty and a treasure. The kingdom of God is like treasure. What's the next word? It's hidden. The good things of God are hidden. They're treasure, but they're hidden in a field. I want to ask you a question. Can you find these good things that are hidden? What does it say next? Which a man found. All right, I'm going to ask a deep theological question here. If, if what God's good things, his kingdom is like treasure hidden in a field and a man found it, tell me why that man found it because he was a really good man. No, it's because he'd been to seminary. No, it's because he was really smart. No, it's because he was what? Why do you find stuff? Because you're looking for it. You're looking for it. And, uh, and he hid it. And, and what is the result of finding these things that God's hidden? What's the word? And for joy. What a joy it is to find what God has hidden out there for you and me. All right, the kingdom of God is like, it's, it's treasure. Listen, our heavenly father, he don't hide junk. He hides good stuff. He's hidden the treasure, and, but, but he doesn't just say, here, here's your treasure. He's hidden it. It's in the earth, but we go looking for it. And that's the reason we find it is because we're looking for it. What if you don't look for it? Does that mean it don't exist? No, it just means you're not looking for it. And when you find it, what do you experience? Great joy. You have the joy of finding the kingdom. And this, this is the... Uh, this is the, it's the treasure hunt. The kingdom blessings of God are like treasures that are hidden. And uh, this, this will cause you to reorient your life where you begin to say, I want to find them. I want to find this. So this is what we call, we're going to call this treasure hunting with the fathers, what it is. Now, let me tell you something. Let me teach you something here. The great things of God can't be found intellectually. What did he say in Matthew eleven twenty five? 25? I thank you that you have hidden these things from the white. Let me tell you something. I don't care if you've got an IQ of 210 and I don't know anybody that's ever had that. You can't find anything of God unless he shows it to you. I thank you, Father, you have hidden these things from the, actually the Greek says the wise and prudent in their own eyes. But you've revealed these things to babes and it doesn't mean 18 months and under, it means the humble. In their own opinion, they're not that smart. So you can't find God's stuff, things intellectually. You can't find them by education. I know men who've got doctor's degrees in ministry and their own families are a train wreck. They, their own lives are a mess. It's not by education. It's not by might or power. It is by my spirit. So he reveals these things and you, you can't find them intellectually, but he'll show them to us and uh, they, can, they can be experienced with his help. Of course, the result is great joy. All right, I want to, uh, let me tell you who the Holy Spirit is. All right, if, 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 if my father has hidden all these eggs for me, these treasures, these great things that are the desire of my heart, by the way, he gives me the desire of my heart. If he's hidden them and I got to find them, guess who it is that comes and takes me by the hand and, say, and says, let's go looking. I don't want to show you that in scripture. Turn me to 1 Corinthians chapter two. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, he is our guide on this great treasure hunt. Listen, the kingdom of heaven really is like a treasure hunt. And in a little minute, I'm going to give you a list of some of the things we found. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I really love this. I know I love all of it, but I really love this one. I love this one twice. This is really good right here. All right, I'm going to mess your theology up. I hope, forgive me if I do here. I'm going to take the funeral passage and we're going to bring it down to before you die. How many of you know some of this stuff is in here before, before you die? All right, this is always quoted at funerals and don't get mad at me. Just, just read it with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 says this, as it is written, see if you've ever heard this at a funeral. I has not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has what? Prepared. The Greek word is planned. The things God has planned for those who love him. Does the Bible tell me right there that God's planned some things? Who are they for? Perfect people? Just people that love him. Now, a lot of people say this is pointing to heaven. Technically, that is true about heaven, but this can't be talking about heaven because in the next verse it says he reveals them through his spirit. Well, his spirit's not going to reveal anything in heaven. You'll see clearly as you've seen. So this is talking about the things that God has planned for us on this earth. But, but what does it mean? I has not seen ear, hadn't heard. It means we don't have a clue. And there's no way it has not entered into the heart of man. Intellectually, you can't find it. You, you have no idea what God would do for you. You have no idea what he's put out there for you. And this is where the great verse comes in, verse 10. I believe it is, yep, verse 10. But God has done what? Revealed them to us. He's shown us these things. And who is it that helps us find the things he's planned? He has revealed these things to us through his spirit. For it is the spirit, the Bible says this, it is the spirit who searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And he's going to ask a question in verse 11, rhetorical question. What man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? What's the answer? Only the man. I got things in my heart, but you don't know what's in there. I'm the only person that knows what's inside of me. Who's the only person that knows what God has planned? The things that are in the heart of God. No man knows the things of God except the spirit of God. He had, nobody can understand. Nobody has a clue what God would do for us. Only the Holy Spirit does. That's why... He goes on to say in verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world. You don't want that spirit, but the spirit who is from God that we might find, experience, or know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Who's the only one that can lead us to the things God's given us? The spirit of God. We've received the spirit of God that we might, the word know, it's not the word gnosko, which is the common word for gnosko, odios, which means to discover, find. We've been given the spirit of God so that he could take us by the hand and say, let's go treasure hunting, son. And he, he said, oh, come over here with me. And a lot of times he'll say to me, you're getting cold, doc. You're getting cold. You're heading in the wrong direction. No, over here's what we're looking for. And the spirit of God is given. God's planned tremendous things for every person. Spirit of God takes you by the hand and says, come on, I'm going to help you find him. And that's it. That's why somebody should call him like the helper. I don't know. Because he helps us find what God has planned for us. And these great treasures that he's given us are out there. So, so, it is the glory of God to conceal things, but it's the glory of man to go looking for them. And the Holy Spirit of God takes us to find everything he's planned, everything he's put out there for us. All right, now what's my part? What's my part in all this? My part is, is, uh, is where, where we're going to come to a little crossroads here. My part is to do what? It is the glory of God to conceal wonderful things. It is the glory of a king to what? To search it. Search it out. Get up and go, go looking for it. It's the glory of a man. It's the glory of a king to go looking for it. That's why we read in Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found. The only way you can find something is go looking for it. And you end up searching for it. That's why you're out looking for it all the time. All right, let me, uh, let me, let me tell you what happened. This revelation right here, that God has so much more for everybody, but it's hidden this revelation brought, bring, should bring a reorientation in the way we live. Should change our life. All right, let me just a little testimony. All right, I get saved and I got into a certain camp as a young man. I got saved, got in that camp. And here's what I was taught Christianity was. You learn the rules. You learn how we do this. This, this is our program. They called it Christianity. It really was just their branch of the program. And this is how we do. This is the way we go to church. We go to church. This is the way we do it. And you keep the rules. And then you spent the rest of your life trying 
to obey the rules and serve the Lord. Actually, it was just serving their group. I'm not being unkind, but that was it. You just, you learned rules, you learned how to do the program and you spent the rest of your life doing it. And even after a while, I'd, I'd learned all the rules and not but 10 of them. And then uh, I knew what to do and that was visit and go to WMU meetings. I sort of knew what, to, I knew all that stuff. And, and you know, what, after about a year, you can figure this stuff out and then you just be a Christian the rest of your life, croak and go to glory. But you know, something down inside of me just kept going. It wasn't a voice. It was a, something kept going. There has got to be more to it than this, son. He who created the sunset, surely he can create a better life than. I didn't know it at the time. And I kept thinking, why can't you're saved? Why can't you be content? Guess what was happening? This one of my favorite verses out of Haggai. Y'all didn't even know Haggai's in the Bible. Out of Haggai. And it said, the Lord stirred up Zerubbabel's spirit to go finish what he'd started. The Lord will stir up your spirit. You don't even know what's going on. You just got a, a itch, an ache, a longing, a desire, a whatever. And, I, and all of a sudden I began to discover this stuff in scripture. I never get the first, I'm a preacher and I didn't know this stuff. And I remember one day I just said, there's got to be more to this than just fussing with old ladies about who's going to bring the fruit salad to the missionary meeting and try not to cuss much. There's got to be more to it than this. And so I just decided I'm going to go out in the woods and I'm going to talk to him. I'll never forget. I'd go out in the woods and I had a pine tree. I'd go out there and I'd just lean on that pine tree and I'd just say, there's got to be more to it than this. I didn't realize I wasn't searching him. He was stirring me up. And I began to get in this word and see things. And I realized, I found Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. And I thought, well, this ain't no treasure. This is a pain in the neck. what a lot of this is. And uh, not only that, I got a deacon's meeting tonight. I, you can call that treasure by any stretch of the imagination. And, and I just knew there had to be more out there. Well, I found it and I found it's treasure that a man can find, but he's got to search for it. And see that revelation just reorients your life. Instead of being a good Christian going to church, you become a seeker. Now see, we, years ago, it was real popular to call, say churches were seeker friendly. That meant people who were seeking God could come comfortably to these churches and get saved. Well, let me tell you something. Who told us to quit seeking God when we got saved? I thought you were supposed to spend your whole life. Listen, we, we, you really, after you get saved, when you really should start seeking Him and searching for what? What am I looking for? Treasure. What is the treasure that's it's hidden? It's out there. In my heart, I know it's out there. Guess who's putting it in your heart today? Some eggs out there. The Spirit of God's putting it in there. And you reorient your life completely. And then you begin to, to discover. And then I ran into this guy. I call him the guide. I'm going to call him the guide. John 16, 13 says this. And when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. And I, I discovered the Holy Spirit by accident. Actually, I bumped into him at a Pentecostal camp meeting one night. I've been told to stay away from him in my, my other church. And I bumped into him one night and I thought, you know what? You're not near as bad as they made you out to be. And and I just, you know what I've learned about the Holy Spirit? He's real and he, he is a guide. He takes you places. That's why I said he will guide you into all truth. I really got in trouble for quoting 1 John 2, 27 one time to a fellow. I said, it says, you have no need that any man should teach you, but the spirit that is inside of you will teach you all things and lead you into all truth that you might abide in Christ. The guy who wrote the Bible is living in me. He'll explain it to me. The guy, listen, the guy who knows every treasure of God is given to get me to those treasures. You, you, don't, you don't have a clue what God's planned for you, but the Spirit is given to get you there. And I, so I just said to the Holy Spirit, and I, I can't say your name around here because they don't appreciate you here, but me and you secretly, I want you to show me this stuff. And then he shows you so much, you just don't give a rip no more and say, fine, let him fire me, I'll go somewhere else. But the deal is you just so long for the blessing of God once you discover it and you start crying out for more. All right, if I know that there's treasure out there, guess what I become? Then instead of becoming a Christian, I become a prospector. I become a prospector. You ever heard the 49ers? Not the football team. All right, 1849, we had a the gold was discovered in California. 1849, you had what's called a gold rush. People from the East Coast rushed to the West Coast because they heard there was gold and they all bought prospecting equipment and camping stuff. And they went out there and they were searching for gold. That's why they were called the 49ers because they went in 49. And they're out there digging for gold and uh, some of them got rich. Everybody found some. Some of them got rich. Guess who, guess who never found any gold out there? This ain't hard. The ones who didn't go. 
the ones who laughed at him and didn't go, they didn't find nothing. But you know, they used to be a saying, there's gold in them, our hills. And they went out there and they searched for that gold and everybody that searched found it. God, wouldn't it be great if there was a verse in the Bible in Luke 11 that said, everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who seeks finds. All right, they, they found gold. You know why they found gold? They were looking for it. And they spent their days prospecting or searching for gold. If I believe that the kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field that a man can find and it'll bring him joy, guess what I'm going to do every day of my life? I'm going to start prospecting and searching and digging. It's sort of like, a, well, I'll just quote it to you. We won't look it up. Who does God do things for? Does he do things for people that are really good? I'd kick out King David and Simon Peter right off the bat right there. Does he do things for people that are smart? That, that's not scriptural. He chooses the foolish to confound the wise. I want you to listen to this. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those to come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek. They're always looking. They're always seeking. These are the people that are always saying, there has got to be more to it than this. Uh, there's got, th this family can do better than this. I can do better than this. God's going to do something. These are the people that are always, ch somebody wrote a book years ago, I think it was Tommy Tenney called The God Chasers. That's faith life. Faith life is not to try to do better. That's called a Pharisee life. A faith life is I am chasing God, trying to find more all the time. That's, that's why I call him the God chase. Guess what happens if you chase God? You find him. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Well, what's the reward for seeking God? Him and all the treasures. And we've we got to get this thing out, this religious crap out of our minds that if, I, if I'll just be real nice, he'll do something for me. That's not why he does things. He does things because I pursue him. Because I, I'm looking for the treasure. I, I'm searching all the time for something else. Something a little bit more. Uh, I'm, let, me give you, let me help you with this. I, uh, I think bass, a bass fisherman taught me this. Tis the season right now. April is the season for bass fishing. All right, I go out to the lake. We have the number one bass fishing lake in the southeast right here at Borders Our County. All right, I go out there and uh, there's nobody on the lake because it's Monday because nobody but preachers can fish on Monday. So I go out there and there's nobody there and I know the fish are in there. I've seen their pictures in magazines. I know they're in there, but I don't know where they're at. So the thing we would do, I pick out the best looking, I want the sun to get on it early in the morning. I pick out a little arm of the water that runs up in the trees. I want the sun to be on it. And I know that they're five, 10 feet. I'm not gonna tell you all this. I know where they're at. So I'm gonna start at one end right there and I'm gonna troll up and I'm just gonna be, I'm called, it's fanning. I'm just searching and I'm gonna throw here, 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 here. And I'm just, I know they're there, but I'm not quite sure where they're at, but I'm just searching. And I'm gonna cover every inch of that water where I think and eventually, you know, guess why I find them? Because I'm looking for them and I'm going to search for them. There's a, I don't know, there's a company, a restaurant called Cracker Barrel. I thought this was the funniest thing, Cracker Barrel. Well, Cracker Barrel Corporation, you ever been in a Cracker Barrel and seen all that junk they put on the walls? Old people, it's called old people's junk. It was, it was new when I was young, but it's old people's junk. And they got all kinds of memorabilia from country days and all that. Cracker Barrel Corporation has a giant warehouse in the Midwest that all that stuff stays in. And, and they've just, I mean, just a huge warehouse. So when they open a new Cracker Barrel, they'll take a truckload of that junk over there. And when they refurbish it, they'll swap junk out and all that. But they have about four or five men that spend all their time traveling the nation looking for that junk. And they're called pickers. And they'll go to every little old P-Dab antique shop in small towns. They'll go to auctions. And all they do is drive around looking for that junk. And all that junk came, guess why they found all that junk? They spend their lives looking for it. That's a kingdom saint right there. You just spend your life looking for the goodness of God and you're searching all the time for the blessing of God and the favor of the Lord and the kindness of God and the, and the treasure out there. And, and see, this is, this is different from trying to be a good Christian. You know, you quit trying to start searching. Quit trying to start seeking. The scripture teaches you and I. Uh, let me tell you, living, living by faith, you're always searching for something beautiful. That's faith life. I want you to turn back with me to Matthew 13. Let me show you the other side of this. Matthew 13. Now see, if your Christianity evolves around trying not to steal and trying not to commit adultery and trying not to stab somebody in the back, that, that's not Jesus. That, that's refried Judaism is what that is. Let me show you a picture of what true following Jesus is. This is one of the, this again is such a simple illustration, 
but it's one of the greatest pictures of what it means to follow God and to, to be a believer. It's in Matthew uh, 13. We looked at verse 44 where he said, the kingdom is like treasure that a man found. But look at verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven, walking with God, is like a merchant doing what? Seeking. You notice how it always says seeking, searching, going after seeking. Tell me what he's seeking. He's seeking beauty. He's looking for something beautiful. It was the, the Christian life is to always be seeking something beautiful. What's this man looking for? Beautiful pearls. Now it doesn't say we're looking for pearls. It said it's like this. Here's a pearl merchant and he's looking for beautiful pearls. All of a sudden he finds one. Guess why he finds it? Because he's looking for it. He finds one that is so valuable to him that he's willing to throw away everything he's got to get the one pearl of great price. Now you say, man, he gave up everything he got. Would you get all that Phariseeism? He got what he was looking for. He got what he was looking for. Every human being looking for something. God's put it in people. Everybody's searching for something. Somebody's searching for happiness or contentment or fame or something. But the tragedy is, unless you know God and you know what he's put in your heart, you don't know what you're looking for. So you end up looking for love in all the wrong places. What does the Bible say? Life is like a man searching for something beautiful. And he searches and he searches and he knows he wants something. All of a sudden, and, and listen, you're not searching for more rules. You're not searching for a job, stay in the nursery and change diapers. Who'd search for that? What you're searching for is something really beautiful. And all of a sudden, guess what you do? Guess, why you, guess what you find? You find what you're looking for. You find what your heart's looking for and it's beautiful. And you say, this is so great. I'll give up everything I've got. The only reason you should stop committing adultery is you found something better. I can't get one amen out of that. The kid, listen, Jesus tops everything my enemy's got to offer. The only reason you should quit stealing is you found something better. The only reason you ought to quit worshiping yourself, you found somebody better than you to worship. The kingdom centers around finding something so beautiful, you'll throw all the rest of it away. But what's the key word, with the, what's the key word in the kingdom? Beauty. The kingdom of heaven is like a man searching for beautiful pearls. And you see, if you say, well, I got to be a Christian, I got to do right and I got to serve. What if you spent the rest of your life saying, I'm going to find beauty every day of my life. I'm searching for beauty. I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm looking for beauty. And what happens to those, by the way, what happens to people who search for beautiful pearls? He found it. I'm telling you, he's not hiding it from me. He hides it for you to find. Don't you understand it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom? When my kids, little youngins out there, they would find an egg and they'd get excited. I was thrilled. I didn't go, crap, crap, they found them eggs. I didn't say that. I was thrilled when they found their egg. They were excited. I was excited. Welcome to kingdom life. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk upright before him. Well, this is, this is the treasure of the kingdom that we're looking for. This is what makes it so wonderful. All right, <clears throat> I'm going to do a time out here. <clears throat> the Bible teaches there's two kinds of believers, two kinds of Christians, two kinds of believers, Israelites, whatever you want to call them. There's settlers and there's seekers. Settlers and seekers. And there's a great picture of this in the old covenant. God called his people out. And he said, I'm bringing you out of bondage. It's going to be tough for a little bit. We're going to go through some hard places, but I'm taking you to the land of promise. And it'll be beyond anything you've ever dreamed. You'll live in beautiful homes you didn't build. You'll eat from vines you didn't plant. And it's a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm taking you there. So they all take off. But before they got there on the journey, there were two and a half tribes that said, we won't stop right here. We won't stop right here. And the Bible said they were content to dwell there. All right, they had food because he fed them. Their clothes didn't wear out and he kept them all healthy. And so they stopped right there. And you know what the Lord said to them? Fine, if you want to stop there, you can stop. Now you're going to help your brethren get in, but if you want to live right here, short of my full promise, fine, you can stay right here. And the other nine and a half tribes went on. And, but now Caleb, those were called settlers. They settled for less than God's best. Caleb said, I am not a settler. I'm going to get everything God gave me. And I'm taking y'all with me, whether you like it or not. We're, going, we're not going to settle for a good life here. And that was better than what they had in Egypt. He said, I want everything God has promised. And Caleb said, let's go. He said, the Lord will give it to us. And when the people said we're scared, he said, they're our bread if God's for us. And, and you see the difference between believers who say, well, you know, I'm, listen, let me tell you one of the, there's some dumb songs. Richie, I'm sorry, we have some dumb songs written today. You want to hear a dumb song that we used to sing in our churches? I hope we don't sing it here. If you wrote it, I'm sorry. I hope it's, it's a dumb song. I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, just a little silver, just a little gold. You, you, what do you, 
there's nothing humble about that. What about your preacher? He needs some gold. <laughs> what about the poor children in Africa? They need some gold. I'm satisfied with just about nothing. Well, great. Who does God reward? Those who are searching for beautiful pearls. They're after more than just, I'm not going to settle here. I'm seeking for more. Now, some people criticize people who are looking for more. Who is it that said, seek me and you will find me? Who is it that said, seek ye first everything God has, the kingdom of God, and all this stuff, all of it will be given to you. We've got to get over this little puny mentality of, you know, I'm just, I'm thankful to have a little, I, I can't even remember that stupid song. I'm, I'm sorry, if that was your grandma's favorite song, I'm really sorry. I mean, grandma was in heaven. She, grandma wouldn't even like it now because she's in heaven. She don't sing that kind of stuff no more. But the point is, you, you don't want to be a settler. You want to be like Caleb who said, let's go get it all. You, you want to be a seeker, not a settler. I know preachers who got going and they quit five years in and they hadn't moved since. Same place they were. A friend of mine not long ago, he said, I heard so-and-so quit the ministry. I said, no, he quit 20 years ago. He just retired a few weeks ago, finally. <laughs> but listen, you don't ever, you don't quit seeking. You spend your whole, I don't care if you've got a boatload. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who gets up every morning and sows his seed. And you keep singing, you keep longing for more and more of what he's got. I want to take a minute here. Let me tell you something. I want to show you in progression some of the eggs I've found. Because after I saw this in scripture, and uh, I, I was criticized as a young preacher saying, why can't you be content? God's blessed you. Why can't you be content? Contentment is, uh, the contentment, look up the word uh, death in the dictionary. You'll see the word is contentment is a synonym. People get content and then they die. We must press on, the Bible said. He said, forgetting those things which are behind me, even the good things, I press on because we're always after more. And let me tell you some of the things I discovered. Number one, I discovered the door, the key, and the way. Now, you know, in my heart, the Bible said God's put eternity in our hearts. Unless your mind's just messed up or you're demonized, you know, listen, even Brooks and Dunn knows they, this can't be all there is. There's got to be more than a slow ride and a hearse at the end of this thing. There's more than just what's on this planet. I know there's life on the other side of death out there. I know it's out there. And now you, everybody's telling me there's 19 ways to get there. Let me tell you what I discovered. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The greatest treasure you'll ever discover is Jesus is the door. And he who comes through me shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. John chapter 10 says, now you, you say, well, boy, what, what if you're wrong? And what if Buddha or some of these other isms, it's going to be wasms. What, what if they're, what if they're the way I, I didn't learn? Listen to me as my brother, excuse me, got excited there. As my beloved brother, Paul said, the gospel I preach to you, I didn't learn from a man. I got this by a revelation of the Holy spirit. God showed me this Jesus. The cross is the only way home. And that's the greatest treasure you'll ever find. But, let me, but listen, that's not just it. That's not it. Jesus gave me more than salvation, eternal life when he died for me on the cross. He gave me, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, which is in this life. I'm going to pick it because this is clearly in scripture. I was saved and I know I was saved going to heaven, but there's a couple of things I didn't have. Well, one of the things I discovered long time after I was saved was kingdom peace. Because the kingdom of God is not just eating and drinking, Romans 14, 17. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There is a peace in the Holy Spirit that he'll bring into your life where you just let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You worried for nothing. You just, you cast all your cares on him. I go, Why would I handle stuff if God will handle it? And there is a place where the peace of God passes all understanding and where you just, you're just relaxed. You're at peace. Well, I know a lot of people that are saved, but they don't have kingdom peace. Why'd you quit looking? There's an egg out there. This is a terrible illustration. There's an egg out there called kingdom peace and the Holy Spirit will lead you to it. Well, see, peace, the peace of God, not talking about mama's cooperating and everybody's behaving, so I got peace. That's a peace where there's no war. I'm talking about the peace of God in the middle of the storm where it rests on your heart. Well, that's one of the kingdom treasures. And then the other one's in there, number three. There is a joy in the Holy Spirit that the church doesn't have today. The kingdom of God's not just, it's not eating and drinking. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There is a joy that comes from heaven. I, some, we had this thing went through a while back called the laughing revival. And boy, people were really upset about it. I, I just don't understand why you'd rather frown and smile myself personally. But there is a joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. And it's one of the great treasures that the Holy Spirit will lead you into. Guess why you, guess why you find the joy of the Spirit that is your strength? Because you're looking for it. You, you're, you're, just, you're just seeking God. I want more. I want, you're just always searching for more. 
There's got to be more out there. Let me tell you another one. And this is, people need this today. First John 4, 18 says this. There is a, a love that, perfect love that casts out all fear. There's a place where there's no fear whatsoever. It's, it's not that you're one of them arrogant, dumb rednecks who don't give a rip what people think. That, that's, that, that's worse than anything. It's just you're free from what people think about you. You're, you're free from the fear of failure. You're free from the fear of the future. You just, you just have no fear. It's not because you're tough. It's because you have discovered a perfect love that casts that fear out. By the way, if it says cast out, that should tell you something about fear right there. There's only one thing Jesus ever cast out when he was walking on the earth. But there is a place where there's no fear in the kingdom. You say, I don't, I don't believe that. No, you just hadn't found it yet. Hadn't found it yet. Guess who finds that? The kingdom of heaven is like a man. The Lord, this is the glory of the Lord to conceal these things. So we'll go looking for them and search them out. And that just all this wonderful, uh, I can't imagine why anybody, oh, let me give you one here. Let me give one here. All right. There is a freedom in Jesus that a lot of believers hadn't experienced yet. I don't know if you knew this or not, but Romans chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8 are the progression of a believer's life. And Romans chapter 5 is where you have a true salvation. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Though our sins were great, His grace was greater. Romans 5 is where you find God. Romans 6 is where you come into the experience of the cross. Romans 7 is a man who's saved, but he's struggling with sin. Sin still dominates his life. What does it say in Romans 7? The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. I delight in the law. I think it's verse 23. I delight in the law of God in my heart, but I see another member waging war against me. Here's a man, he's a believer. He got saved in Romans 5, but in Romans 7, he's a person that sin is ruling in his life. I mean, it could be, a, you know, hatred, anger, lust, fear, self, whatever, but there's something, some bondage in his life. He's saved, but he's still got bondage in his life. And people say, well, none of us are perfect. You gonna stop right there? You'll settle for that? Why would you settle for garbage in your life? But look at the transition and what happens to the believer who's letting, whose sin rules in his life. Oh, wretched man that I am. You'll be miserable. If you're a believer and sin rules in your life, you can be very unhappy. But what does it say? We keep trying to stop it. We keep trying. It's not a what, it's a who. It's not what, it's a who. He doesn't say what can free me. He says, who can free me from this body of death? Thanks be unto God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. He transitions to Romans chapter eight, which is the spirit filled life. And what does he say in Romans 8 too? The power of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the power of sin and death. There is a place in Jesus. It's not where you become so tough that you don't sin no more. Grit your teeth all you want to. All you're going to do is grind them down. You can take cold showers. You're just going to be cold and all that stuff. But the deal is there is a power in the Holy Spirit. There's a place where he can set us free from sin. The same Jesus that saved you can free you. But you know, why, you know why so many believers have still got sin ruling in their lives? They got saved and sat down. They didn't keep going after God and seeking Him, saying, this, this ain't all there is. It got to be more than this. They, you need to find the treasure of freedom. Freedom is one of the great treasures that is hidden in the field that's out there. And you discover it and you go, praise God. And who, who brings us there? Look what the Holy Spirit's led me into. And you just, you spend your whole life saying, here, let me tell you what happens. Let me tell you what happens. You begin to discover things that God planned for you and, and it brings you great joy, but what, all, was it, what else does it do to you? If you've done all this, what more can you do? And it, begin, it creates an appetite for seeing God do some tremendous, you know, just, just great things in there. Let me tell you another thing that, uh, that I discovered, right? Before I got saved, I had friends. <clears throat> weren't, we a, weren't we a wonderful bunch? Criminals all hanging out together. And uh, my friends before I got saved were not friendship material. You know, you, we couldn't trust each other. We'd steal from each other. But I got saved. Let me tell you one of the advantages of seeking God and not just getting saved and sitting down. I've got the greatest friends in the world now. I've got friends. I mean, I've got the, dear, they're the dearest things in the world to me. It's, let me show it to you. It's in, I want you to look at this. Philippians chapter one. This is a picture of what God does in relationships if you'll keep seeking him. This is the most wonderful picture. This should describe our friendships and our relationships with people in our own family and the body of Christ. And uh, this, this man had a tremendous heart. And he's writing to the people that he loves that he's in fellowship with here. And he says this, Philippians 1 thing, 3, I thank my God every time I think about you in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with joy for our relationship in the gospel. He said, the only reason I met you is because of the gospel. Let me tell you something. Everybody in my life right now, except for my daddy and my brother and my sister, I met them through the gospel. 
Every friend in my life came through the gospel. Everybody I know right now. And he said, I thank God for them. And I love the verse, verse eight says this. God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. There is a love that God puts in hearts of people that are bonded together for each other in a church or in a fellowship or whatever. And it's the greatest friends in the world. Listen, you haven't had great friends. Uh, let me see it. Let me back up here. When you chase God, he'll bring you into the greatest relationships the greatest friendships in the world. And this is how you'll talk about them right here. I thank God every time I think about you. I pray for you. We met through the gospel and I can't, God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection that Christ has put in my heart toward you. That's just one of the many benefits. Guess where all this was paid for? Christ became a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that all the blessings of Abraham might come upon us in Christ Jesus. You have no idea what Jesus bought for you at the cross. Not just eternal life. He, brought, he bought abundant life because he came not this that you might have life, but have it abundantly. Well, you can't have any more abundant life than to have dear friends that God brings you into fellowship with like that. And uh, let me throw in a couple more here. A couple more here. Oh, we got time. I'm looking around the auditorium now, nobody seems restless. We got a little bit of time here. All right. Let me tell you one of the things that God does for people. When you really begin to pursue him and say, thy will be done. Thy, oh, thy kingdom come. Thy, listen, before I knew what he was like, I would say, fine, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come. If it's got to be, thy kingdom come. You ever discover what he's like, you'll get up every morning and beg him. The kingdom come today, come today, I beg you. I'll give you an example of this. I lived in Charlotte and behind, through the woods behind my house, I had a buddy lived in an apartment there. We became buddies and beside him lived a professional wrestler back when your championship wrestling started in Charlotte. And his name was uh, Johnny Weaver. It had a part of George Becker and Johnny Weaver. Johnny Weaver lived right beside him in this apartment. And uh, so we're out there washing this old rag of a car we had one day. And Mr. Weaver pulls up and as he's going in, he says, y'all get done, wash my car. And uh, I didn't think much of it. He, he went on in his apartment there and uh, we got done. I said to Dave, let's wash his car. So we pulled the hose over and we washed his car and got it all cleaned up. We were just going to do it because I, I wanted, might have wanted to get his autograph as a wrestler or whatever. And... Uh, we went in the house that night, came out the next morning to go do something and had old ragged Volkswagen of ours there. And in the steering wheel in that hole, a $10 bill was stuck in there. Well, that doesn't sound like much to you, but it's 1974. $10 bill would have bought beer for all day long, plus Shoney's, plus everything else for a bunch of 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds. I mean, that was a lot of money. That man gave us $10 for washing that. The going rate was about 50 cent back then. I mowed yards for $2 a yard back then. He stuck a $10 bill in there and I thought, man... I right, were there that evening. Mr. Weaver comes home. I saw him go in the house. I went up and knocked on his door. I said, uh, I really appreciate what you gave us. I said, anything else you need? You need your trash carried out? Could we vacuum for you? Could, do you need your windows washed? I wanted him to tell me anything. Guess why? I found out how gracious he was. <laughs> anything he asked for, I was fixing to do it because I knew he was, a, he was a rewarder. You ever let God, you ever begin to discover the goodness of God and instead of saying, okay, thy will be done, you will beg him. Oh, oh, your will was peace. Thy will be done. Your will was this kind of joy. Thy will be done. Do you understand? This is a difference in Phariseeism and the kingdom of God. And uh, let, me, let me tell you one that he'll do. You get up and say, thy kingdom come. He'll start ordering your steps. He'll start moving you around. And it, he, let me tell you something about our great God. He not only likes to hide things, he's real big on being anonymous. I started to try to say anonymity. He's real big on being anonymous. He's working behind the scenes. You don't know it. One day in Acts chapter eight, the spirit of God spoke to Philip, said, go walk on that road. So he's walking on the road and a chariot comes by. He said, walk up that chariot. He walks up the chariot. The man is reading Isaiah chapter 53. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and like a sheep is silent before his shears. He opened not his mouth. And Philip's just walking up. You know, he, he's walking and here's this guy reading about Jesus in Isaiah 53. And Philip said, to, you know, I think he went, this might be a divine. He looks up, he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I understand unless somebody explains this to me? And he said, come up here. And God set them up. Just, just walking through life, God set them up and orchestrated that meeting. God could have done that for that man, but he wanted Philip to get to enjoy it. And he set him up and the 
and, and he said, who's he talking about? He said, he's not talking about himself. He's talking about Jesus. And he told him about Jesus. And then the guy said, well, there's a pond right there. I said, water. There's water right there. Can I get baptized? He said, you got to believe first. He said, I've done. I got baptized. And then the spirit really stuck him in. Like I said, he jerked him up. I don't know what that means, but he jerked him up somewhere else. God will do that. You have never had fun until you're in the middle of something. You realize God set this up. All I said was thy kingdom come this morning and he has put me right here for such a time as this. And he just begins to order your steps and brings people in, takes people out, moves you and puts you in the right place. I've, I've done this no few times. I'll be in the grocery store and see somebody and they'll start crying. And it's not because I'm me. They'll just start crying and they'll say, just this morning I told God if I could just talk to him. And uh, who puts it in a boy's mind to go to the Harris Teeter? My goodness. You, but just, you just say, thy kingdom come, and he'll begin to orchestrate steps. You know what that is? That's, that's the treasure of the kingdom. And you get the joy of, of stuff like that. I might do one or two here more before we get done. There's a, let me throw in a few more here. I'm just convinced that God is a family man. I believe he loves family. I believe he wants to restore families and bless families. What greater treasure could he give you than to heal your family and put it back together again? Blessed is the man Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. His wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of his house. His children like olive plants all around his table. You just don't know how much God wants to heal and bless families. And we say, why are we, why are we afraid that our kids are going to get screwed up? Uh, why don't we test positive for faith? And why don't we believe God to do something great and just let's seek great families. So, well, you never know what's going to happen. Are you a settler? Why don't we be seekers? And say, there, the, tr the greatest treasure, listen to what John, th this third John said this, I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in truth. That is a gift from God and your children's children. All, all this stuff that he does, all this is because you're just out seeking God. Now, I know a lot of people don't believe this. <clears throat> I, believe, I believe in the prosperity gospel. I drive a 20-some-year-old, matter of fact, it's 26-year-old pickup truck now that the paint's falling off. He said, well, how can you believe in the prosperity gospel if you drive an old truck like that? Prosperity is, for me, to me, is being able to drill water wells for children who need something to drink more than me riding around in a Lamborghini. Could you see me folding up and fitting in one of them tiny things anyway? Here's the deal. I believe in the prosperity gospel. I believe God blesses it. Believe, I believe God shows people what to do and then he blesses it. I learned this in Luke chapter 5. Jesus is fishing. Simon said, Master, we have fished all night and failed. We ain't caught nothing. Jesus said, throw it right over there. He threw it and he sunk both boats, filled them up with fish, sunk both boats. Who is it that shows you where to take a risk and try things and see him bless the fire out of it? In? See, if you, he just, that can be business. That can be, I, I was pastoring years ago and you know, I was told, you know, the greatest ambition you can ever have in my line, my thing was maybe get up to where you'd a preacher of a county seat first church and you might get up to 300 people one day. I just thought that's all we're going to do with this one precious life is get a handful of grouchy people. I shouldn't have said that. That's all we're going to do with this one precious life. Why don't we go, why don't we go something big? Why don't we just see if God would build two auditoriums and fill them both up and sink them both, whatever. But why don't we believe that he's a prosper, that God prospers the work of your hands. And when you seek him, he will. I'll throw one more. One, honest, one more promise. One more. I got my marker on right here. All right, when I first got saved, we're Christians. Guess what we did in church? We sang. We sang in church. You had your handcuffs on, called hymn books back then. You had your handcuffs on so you couldn't raise your hands up because if you raised yours up and you sing with somebody short, they couldn't get theirs that high. So you had to hold it down there and, and we were singing. And I'm not being unkind. I, I really think some people were sincere, but as a general rule, it was just music. You know, we'd, I'd watch people, they'd sing. They'd, they'd look at their watch and we're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. Clean the air out and they'd sing. And I'm not being, they were just singing. And we sang because you had to do music in church. I think they did it because the preacher couldn't fill the whole hour up. So they put in music. And I came out, I was in a rock band before I got saved. It was a country band before that. And the music was terrible. I'm not being unkind, but I don't know why they were being so unkind. The music was terrible. And it just wasn't good music. And I thought, man, I, I gave up Led Zeppelin for this. But that's the way it was. And I just thought music was music. And, and I guess to go to heaven, you have to have bad music on the earth. See, I think logically. I don't believe it's religious stuff. And I, give me, let me see what I stumbled over one day. There's a treasure out there called worship. And, it, and it's not, it's not uh, contemporary. God don't know anything about them terms, contemporary. That's not his thing. When, he, when we talk like it, he goes, what are y'all talking about? 
There's a treasure out there called enter his gates, come before his presence. And I began to discover this thing. When you do music, quote, worship from the heart a certain way, God will just come down, mostly in private. And you, you just, in private, you can draw God close to you in worship. And I'd just go pick up my guitar and play and sing. And it's like God would just walk into the room and we would have these sweetest times in there. And I thought, man, I got to keep this guitar. This is a magic guitar. I thought, would you just play this guitar? God, God likes this guitar right here. It wasn't a guitar, it was the heart. And I discovered, and I thought, why is worship hidden in music? There, there's, I'm telling you, and I, there's more out there. There's so much more he's got out there. And, and we begin to discover the great things God has planned for those who love him. And you just go, man, what else have you got in your bag? It hadn't even entered the heart of man, all the things that he's planned for those who love him. But we find him because we search. And so here, here's the deal. Let me wrap up by saying this. He said, well, let's go. How do I get there? What do, what do I need to do? How do I start searching? Is he in the closet? Is he in, is he in the church house? I'll go hang around the church house. It's not a where, it's an attitude. It's a hard attitude. The Bible said this. A lot of people like to quote Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, plans for good. What about verse 13? You will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And at heart level, you just say, I want to know everything there is to know about you. I want everything you planned out. I want everything you planned for me and my church and my family. I want you to show me everything you got. And you see, if you, when you say something like that, people will think you're, you're being out of the way. Who is it that said, seek ye the Lord while they may be found? Call on me. I will answer you. And it's an attitude that says, I'm, I get up every day and just say, I'm looking for him. Looking for. Now I wake up every morning. I don't. Then people that wake up all happy and all that, and angels speak to them. You make me want to puke. I wake up hurting. But as soon as I wake up, just as quick as I can, I want to get to praying and worshiping because I want to. I want to. Well, there ain't no professors here. I want to feel God. First thing, I want to sense His presence. First thing. And I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says you can only come twice a week. You can only draw close to me. Draw close to God twice a week. He'll draw close. To, I don't see that in there. He is always available. There's always a treasure to be found. And you just have this attitude of, I'm looking for him. I'm searching for him. I'm, I'm just always looking for him out there. And I want you, let me tell you one of the best places to start. Um, I, I hope you noticed everything. I mentioned 10 things there. Guess where every one of them came out of? All right, I'm, let me teach you one of the greatest truths in world history right here. If this is a rule book to you, you're in trouble. If this is a treasure map, you got it right. This is not a rule book. If this is a rule book, you're under the law. If you're under grace, this is a treasure map. This is the most valuable thing in all the world to you because it's in here where you begin to search out the treasures. And you begin, it was in here that I read one day, be worried for nothing. I didn't know it was, I never even heard that before. Because the church folks I knew that went to church is more worried than the drunks were. Drunk, at least you get drunk, you're not worried anymore. I mean, we'll be tomorrow, but... Church people's the most worried people I knew. They called it concern. God calls it worry. And I read in there, be worried for nothing. I thought, that can't be. But you know what I knew? God wrote that. And if I found in here that there's a place in this kingdom where you can be worried for nothing, you show me how to find it. I found that in here. This is a treasure map that leads us to everything Jesus died to give us. That's why I got to start seeing the Bible as a treasure book rather than a rule book. And you know, if I was searching for treasure and I knew there was gold up and in them hills and some old fellow said, I got a map to lead you straight to it. I would say, I don't need the map. I'll just knock around till I find it. That's dumb as a brick. I would say, I will buy the map from you. Uh, you sell me the map. Let me tell you, it's in there. Everything we're looking for is in everything our hearts long for is in there. And it, but that's not just this book. This is where the spirit of God leads you through this word to find everything there is. I'm gonna give you a picture of this. Years ago, I can remember a, uh, a guy named Willie George made a movie about this. Willie George is a minister out in Oklahoma. He used to have, we, used to do, we did his kids series stuff at our churches years ago called Dry Gulch. He set up a Western town and they do Bible-based shows that taught kids biblical principles. Well, he did a full movie one time. I think it was called Treasure on Eagle Mountain. And Willie George was a, uh, he was a federal marshal and he had this little town he looked after. And there was another federal marshal who was an older man. They'd been friends, worked together. But this old guy got in trouble, got to drinking. 
and he lost his job as a marshal and he became a prospector. And he had a son that he abandoned at birth. And uh, so this old man's dying and he calls Willie in and Willie befriended him and loved, I mean, I forget his real name, uh, Bill uh, Gunner, I forget what it was, Bill something or other. And uh, he calls him in and he says, you know, I've got a son, I did him wrong. And said, he's on the wrong side of the law now. And he's, he's out there somewhere and said, I would really, I can't make it right, but I would love for my son to get his inheritance. And said, here's the map right here. And he gave him a treasure map, said, this is where it's at. He said, you'd do me a big favor if you'd go find him and get this to him because maybe it can make up to him a little bit for what I did wrong as a father. And Bill, his name was Bill Gunner. He said, I'll do it. So he calls another marshal buddy of his in the next district because said, come over and help me. We're going to do this. And that marshal came over and he, that was played by a guy named Kenneth Copeland, who's a preacher. Well, Kenneth Copeland, he was, I think he was Wichita Slim. I'm not sure. Anyway, so you got these two marshals and they got to go find this outlaw and help him get this treasure. So they find him in this saloon. He's sitting at a round table playing cards with his back against the wall in this saloon. So Kenneth Copeland walks over. You know, got his cowboy thing on, got his pistol. He walks over and he says, I'm a, and he had his marshal badge on. He said, I want to talk to you. And the kid said, I ain't got no use for no marshal. And he said, well, your daddy sent me here to help you find your inheritance. And he said something ugly about his daddy. And Ken Copeland kicked that table over and pinned that boy against the wall with that table and pulled out his six shooter and stuck it up his nose and said, I gave your daddy my word. You're going to get your inheritance whether you want it or not. So he handcuffed him and walked him out. And in this movie, and uh, to make a long story even longer, in this movie, he, they're tra traveling through rough territory. They're getting shot at and it's dangerous, but they're determined to find this treasure. And finally on this mountain edge, they find this little cave. The map leads them to it and they pull out this box about that big. They pull it out there and they're so thrilled. They got this box and they shoot the lock off. Probably had a key, but you know, cowboys rather shoot it off and just open it. And so they open the box up and that, that outlaw boy, the younger man, the outlaw, he opens it up and it's got a, a, like a cloth and he opens that thing up and it's a Bible laying in there. He gets so mad, he takes that thing and he throws it in the dirt and he said, my old man did it again. He almost got, got us killed for that stupid old book. Well, you know, that doesn't go over real good with Kenneth Copeland standing here and throw the Bible on the ground. <laughs> he went over and picked it up and he said, son, that's God's word. He said, that's the greatest thing your daddy could have ever give you. And he went on to talk to him about the treasure that was in this word and just, the boy's heart softened. And uh, he said, do you want to meet the God that this Bible talks about right here? And he said, I do. And so, and Kenneth Copeland said, let's, let's pray. He said, Jesus, this is, I forget his name, Bob. Bob, this is Jesus. I'm going to introduce y'all to each other. And the boy gets saved. And then it, he leans against his saddle that night around the campfire and he reads and reads and reads. And the whole thing for a few days as they're traveling back, how God changes him and this word becomes so dear to him. And then all of a sudden one day they're getting ready to leave. He picks up and as he picks up his Bible, something, something sort, of, sort of falls out of it like that. And he, he reaches down, he picks that thing up and he looks and it's, a, and it's another map. And he says, look at this. And he shows it to, I think, Bill Gunner or Kenneth Copeland. They look at it and it's, a, it's another treasure. And they say, well, let's go get it. And so anyway, they went and got it and it wasn't far from there. And it sure enough was a box full of, they brought that box out and it was full of gold. And the, the story was how that the boy said, you know, the, I've got all this gold now, I'm rich. But said, this is, this is the greater treasure because this has done more for me than that box of gold could. And then the movie goes on to how the boy's life was changed. It became great and it became wonderful. Not because he got a box of gold, but because he got the treasure map that led him to all the goodness of God. And of course, you know how them Christian movies are. The daddy didn't die. He lived long enough for the boy to get back and they're all reunited and live happily ever after for about three days or something like that. And, but the, you know, the whole point of that lengthy story is simply this. The Bible is a treasure map. And, and instead of saying, do I have to do what it says? That's under the law. Grace says, do I get to have what it promises? Right. It's not, do I have to do what it says? Do I get what it promises? I mean, I can't imagine somebody saying, well, the Bible says that my wife should be like a fruitful vine. Who wants that? Very hard in my house. Who wants a great marriage? Who wants great kids? Who wants peace and joy? Who wants to be blessed by God? I mean, who wants to be at peace when you can be all tore up? You've lost your mind if you don't like that. I mean, that's what the human heart's looking for anyway. Guess where you find it from? Thy word is better to me than thousands of gold and silver and sweeter than the honeycomb. And that is the kingdom of God. Now, let me tell you, gonna, this makes a life change to hear. Instead of saying, well, I need to go to church. I want to go to church. So when I go to heaven, I can, I can die and go to heaven. So I go to church. 
No, you reorient your life and say, I'm going to spend the rest of my life looking for everything you got. I'm going to, every morning, I will lift my voice to you every morning, as David said, seven times a day, I might do it. And you just begin to seek God knowing there is gold in them there hills. That there's a treasure out there if I could just find it. All righty. I want to pray in just a minute. I really do want to go back and apologize if I offended you about grandma's favorite song, but I'm going to tell you something. There's something better than just a little silver and just a little gold. How about the glory of God in this life? Instead of settling for what we got, why don't we see if God's got a whole lot more? What do you reckon? Lord Jesus, when I look around, when I consider, as your word says, when I consider the works of your hands, the moon and the stars, who is man that you are mindful of him? I thank you and praise you. When I consider all the worlds thy hand has made, then sings my soul how great thou art. There has got to be more to it than going to church and trying to behave. I praise you and thank you that I has not seen nor has ear heard. It has not entered into a man's mind what God has planned for those who love him. But I praise you and thank you for the precious Holy Spirit who grabs us by the hand and says, let's walk together. There's treasure out there in that field, son. Come on and let's go find it together. The Father's smiling. He's hidden it for you. Now let's go find it. I praise you and thank you that it is your glory to conceal a matter. But it is going to be the glory of this king to search that matter out and find it and celebrate the goodness of God. And my promise is Jesus will get all the glory and praise and honor. I pray for every person listening, every person watching. In the book of Haggai, you said the Lord stirred their hearts up to go finish what they started. I pray you will stir people's hearts up to know what God has put in your heart is out there. Go search for it. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified in his precious name we pray. Amen.